Miss Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. This is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, all scripture today is from the English Standard Version, unless I say otherwise. And we have a lot of verses today, so we had better just get started. This is starting in chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Wow. So last week we talked about Cain murdering his brother Abel. And we don't know exactly, you know, what happened or why. But this week it seems pretty clear that Cain isn't feeling sorry about anything. He's sure feeling sorry for himself, though. All he can think about is himself and, and how hard it's going to be for him and that if people find him, they will kill him. Not one, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done that or I did a terrible thing, please forgive me or poor Abel, poor mom and dad. Nope. It's all me, me, me. And we can guess that that's been Cain's problem since the beginning. He hasn't cared one bit about being wrong and doing wrong. He's been determined to do whatever he wants, whether or not anyone else likes it. But he sure gets angry when God doesn't like it. That's super messed up. Imagine if everyone was like that. <sighs> so what is happening here? Is God punishing Cain? Is that how this, word, this is worded? Maybe but it actually sounds like the ground is angry with Cain. So we're going to talk about that first. Starting in verse 10 again, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. Now, does that sound strange? It should sound strange. <laughs> That's that Abel's blood is, is crying out from the ground. Do you think that anyone can hear blood screaming? Well, maybe God can, but this is an idiom that we find a lot in the Bible. 
Remember that an idiom is a saying that might not mean what we would think it means. In this case, the drops of blood don't have tiny little mouths screaming, Cain, killed me, avenge me. Well, that'd be creepy, and I'll tell you, like, no one would ever kill anyone again if that happened. Ugh. But this is actually an idiom, a saying that means that when someone has, someone's been terribly wronged, in the Bible, we call this injustice. It's the opposite of justice, which is when everyone gets exactly what they deserve. Abel didn't deserve to die. Cain just hauled off and killed him anyway. So the Bible says that it was such a terrible crime that even death can't keep Abel quiet. God is saying that Abel deserved better than that, that he deserved to live. But now, because of Cain's anger and selfishness, someone has to step in and make sure that there are consequences which is a word we've been hearing a lot since the garden. Cain didn't like the consequences of making a bad offering, even though it was just a stern talking to from God. He's going to like the consequences of killing his brother a whole lot less. God is going to do that through what seems, it seems like, it's though Cain loves the most, which is farming. In the Bible, we will often see that the ground rebels against people who have sinned. Adam was the first. When he rebelled against God, the land rebelled against him and gave him thorns and thistles instead of the crops they would need to survive, which meant he had to work a lot harder just to get by. Adam wasn't cursed, of course, and, and neither was Eve. But the Bible says the ground itself was cursed. We see that curse will be taken away after the flood when God says he will never curse the ground again. And now with Cain, God tells him that he is cursed from the ground, just like the serpent was cursed above all animals. It meant that the serpent was not going to be able to find any peace around other animals. They would all either run or try to kill it. In the same way, Cain won't be able to rely on the earth to feed him anymore. The ground isn't going to cooperate and bless Cain anymore. So whatever struggles Adam had in farming they would look like blessings compared to Cain's punishment. And if you know any farmers, and I mean real farmers who love to farm, it's like torture for them not to be able to do it anymore. They love to grow things. Same with ranchers, you know, people who like to care for animals. Same with sailors in the ocean. Same with me and my writing. You know, if God told me one day that words wouldn't cooperate with me anymore, I would feel very lost. That's how Cain is feeling right now, but for him, it's even worse because this is how he eats. There were no grocery stores. If he doesn't grow it, then he will starve. God said, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. So that means that Cain won't be able to just ignore God and keep on farming. God didn't tell Cain that he isn't allowed to be a farmer anymore. God told Cain that even if he tried to farm, that the ground wouldn't grow for him anything anymore. Okay? There's a big difference. This is much worse in some ways from Adam and Eve being booted from the garden. And yeah, the Bible says that only Adam was booted out, but I don't think she was welcome anymore either. They were exiled, if you remember that word which means that they were forced to leave their home by someone more powerful who could keep them from being able to ever come back. But they could live wherever they wanted on the outside, and they could still grow things. 
They weren't gardeners anymore, taking care of what God had planted, but they could plant things themselves. But Cain couldn't even do that. And there's even worse than that. God said, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. God's telling Cain, no matter how far you go, no matter where you try, you will never be able to grow anything anywhere. That's what being a wanderer means. He will wander around and never be able to find what he's looking for. But what about the word fugitive? Well, that's translated from a word meaning to be disturbed or shaken. Means that Cain will never be able to rest or relax. Means that he can't be with his family anymore because of what he did to his brother. He won't be welcome. They won't be able to trust him anymore. Even if they forgave him, they would always be wondering if anyone's safe around Cain. No one had ever died before, and he figured out a way to kill his brother. Maybe he didn't know that that's what he was doing, you know, and that it would kill him. But it sure seems like he doesn't care very much after the fact. You know, that's the saddest thing of all. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Oh my gosh. Really, Cain? Your punishment is too great for you to bear. You've just torn everyone else's lives apart. And you're like flipping out that you can't be a farmer and you're going to have to leave because, oh, well, I don't know. You've just destroyed your whole family. Literally destroyed one of them. (sighs) Verse 14. Behold, you have driven me away today from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. So this temper tantrum continues. You're driving me away from the ground so I can't grow food? Fine. I'm going to hide myself from you. Of course, you know, we're thinking this is really silly, right? As if there's anywhere he can go to hide from God, but maybe he thinks that God lives in this place. Maybe the family never strayed from the borders of the garden. Although I th- I would think they would want the cherubim to be out of sight because... Ooh. Maybe he thinks that because they built an altar there that God is tied to that space. But you know what? No matter where you go or what you do, you can't hide from God. In Psalm 139, 7-12, we see this. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol in the grave, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Wow. Do you even know what this means? It means you're never alone. God is always there, always listening, always caring, always waiting to hear from you. Cain didn't understand this about God. He thought he could just run away from home and run away from God, too. But, you know, he didn't have a Bible to tell him all the cool stuff that we get to know about God. But this is what Cain always does. Whenever he does wrong, he never just admits it and chooses to do better. Cain is a sulker. Instead of getting angry at himself, he gets angry at everyone else. 
He got angry at God, and then he got angry at his brother Abel, and now he's telling God he's going to run away from home and God will never see him again. He thinks God is very small. Just imagine a God who could make an entire universe but couldn't find Cain on the only planet he could possibly be on. Not like he even has a spaceship to go anywhere else. and He's probably traveling on foot, for that matter. Finding him, it would not be challenging. But now that Cain has made his threat to hide, he's going to start complaining again. I will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me is going to kill me. <sighs> oh, poor Cain. Poor, poor Cain. Now he's repeating his punishment and looking for pity. People might treat him the exact same way he treated his brother. After all, if he will kill his own brother, why wouldn't a stranger kill him? And you might have noticed that there are more people other than his mother and father. Where did they come from? Well, next week we will read a verse that says Cain has a wife. <laughs> Who is she? And then he starts a city, but a city needs more than just a few people. What the heck? Now, I already hinted when we started Genesis 2 what the answer to that is, but we'll talk about it next week. For the time being, Cain has a problem. He's a hunted man. A man who is known for killing his own brother won't be trusted or welcomed anywhere else. He's right to be worried. Will God say, Tough cookies, you should have thought of that before you killed your brother. What goes around comes around. What's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain... Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Say what? Cain doesn't deserve to be defended, does he? Isn't it right that he should be hunted down and killed? Well, evidently God doesn't think so. And even though Cain is acting like a total gooberhead and insulting God and behaving badly, God's still going to show Cain mercy. But what does this mean that if anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold? Means that whatever anyone else does to Cain, they're going to get a whole lot worse and it's going to be from God himself. Wow. God's going to protect Cain from anyone who wants revenge. Why? When Cain's being so awful, why is God going to protect him? We just don't know. Maybe Cain didn't understand that his actions would kill Abel and that he would die forever. No one had ever done that before. That could be it. Maybe God is just so merciful that we don't understand. I, I know that's actually true. <laughs> In any event, God has decided to be Cain's defender. No one's going to get away with murdering Cain. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Boy, howdy. If you want to talk about things people and wonder about from the Bible, this is one of them. What is the mark that God put on Cain? We have no idea. I can tell you what we do know. It's a good mark. I can tell you that because it protected Cain from being hurt by other people. Just like the clothes that God made from animal skins protected Adam and Eve once they left the garden. Cain's mark is not a punishment. 
His punishment was that the land would no longer support him. He wouldn't be able to grow any crops. That means that Cain's mark is a sign of God's protection and grace, even after everything that Cain has done. That's amazing! I hope you remember that if you're ever feeling like God has abandoned you. He never abandoned Cain. But as to what it looked like, or how the people knew what it means, we have no clue. I can tell you some silly and not-so-silly things that people have thought over the years. So, one guy thought that God gave Cain leprosy, which was a terrible skin disease that would have covered his entire body. Now, today the disease that we call leprosy can be cured, but the Bible describes something far more terrible that only God could cure. But then, you know, Cain's going to build a city, and no one would have lived in a city with somebody with that kind of leprosy that they had in the Bible. People were scared to death of that. Or, how about a horn growing out of the top of his head? Someone said that, too. Another possibility was that God gave Cain a dog to protect him, but that dog would have had to live an awful long time to do that. A few hundred years ago, somebody started a terrible rumor that God changed the color of Cain's skin because they wanted to hurt those people who had that skin color. But that doesn't make any sense at all! In any event, only Cain was cursed and not his children or grandchildren. Whatever Cain's mark was, it was on Cain and only on Cain. And what, I, what do I always say when the Bible doesn't tell us something? It means we don't need to know. And if we pay attention to what is actually written, we'll be better off. And what is written? God was protecting Cain. What could be more important than that? Verse 16 then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, we've talked about exile before, and whenever anyone in the Bible is driven from their home, they tend to go east. And this is what Cain does. He turns his back on God and goes to the land of Nod. Oh, that rhymes. Okay. And we have no idea where on earth that is. In fact, Nod comes from the same word as wanderer, so it probably isn't even a place name at all. You know, for that matter, we have no idea where Eden is either because the description of Genesis 2 doesn't match up with any place on earth. That's okay. Next week, we will talk about what happens to Cain after he leaves, but this week, I want to talk to you about God's faithfulness. Now, sometimes we think that God has given up on us because we're ashamed of ourselves. Or maybe we just think he should give up on us because we've done something so terrible that we can't imagine anyone loving us ever again. I know I have. It's a terrible feeling. Sometimes we don't even want God to love us anymore because we're just so angry at ourselves. The story of Cain and God, I don't call it the story of Cain and Abel because Abel's barely mentioned at all. This was the story of Cain and God. What does Cain do? And what does God do? Cain does something wrong. God reaches out to him and talks to him and tells him to do what is right. Cain gets angry and kills his brother. God reaches out to Cain and gives him a chance to be honest about what he did. Cain responds disrespectfully and lies to God. 
God confronts Cain with what he did and tells him the consequences. Cain complains and threatens to hide from God forever. And then he complains that people are going to try and kill him. God responds by protecting Cain. Hmm. I imagine that you have probably never done that much wrong. I hope you never will. Your brothers and sisters especially hope you never do that much wrong. One terrible mistake I never want you to make, I mean, you know, besides not killing anybody, is to, is to take God's love for granted. There's a big difference between what Cain did, getting angry and sinning and on one hand, and knowing that God is forgiving and sinning on purpose just because you think he will forgive you. Do you remember when I talked about the three kinds of sins in the Bible? There's the hatat, that's an oopsie sin where you didn't know you were doing anything wrong. We all do that. In the Bible, that's just called a sin. Then there is avon, which is more serious. Avon is what Cain did. It's on purpose, but maybe we were angry and did something wrong, or we were tempted and gave in. The Bible translates that as iniquity. But pesha is sin we commit on purpose. Pesha is very, very serious. Pesha is called transgression in English. And we commit those kind of sins because we hate God and want to hurt him. Now, my good friend Ryan White tells a very funny fictional story, and that means it's totally made up, about three sons to explain the different kinds of sins. He had three sons when he told this story, but now he has five. <laughs> In the story, the mom makes a big yummy batch of chocolate chip cookies. Then she has to leave the room. The youngest boy comes in and sees the cookies and takes one and eats it because he didn't know they weren't supposed to eat cookies without permission. He was just a tiny little guy. He did something wrong, but he didn't know. He was just too young to understand. That's a hatat sin. Now, the next oldest son, he knew, he was old enough to know that he wasn't allowed to have cookies without permission because he'd learned it before. But they were hot, and mom was nowhere around, and they smelled so good, and he tried to resist, but finally he couldn't stand it anymore, and he took the cookie and ran to his room to hide it and eat it because he was so ashamed of himself. Now that is avon, or iniquity. But then, dun-dun-dun, the oldest son came in. Just as his mom was counting the cookies and wondering who made off with two of them. The oldest knew not to take a cookie. And he saw his mother right there. But he didn't love his mother very much. He wanted a cookie. And by the way, remember, this is a fictional story. This is made up. His sons would never do this. <laughs> and his, his oldest loves his mother very much. Um, but the oldest wanted a cookie and he didn't care about not hurting her. So while she was right there, he took a cookie while she was watching and ate it while she was telling him not to. He had a nasty little smirk on his face. And even though she was upset that he wasn't obeying her, he took another one, too. That's Pesha. That's transgression. That's rebellion. 
That's an evil thing to do to your parents or to anyone, really. Cain might have committed all three types in his story. Maybe he didn't really know at first what was wrong with his offering. If he didn't, that was a hatat sin. When God confronted him and told him to do right next time, he learned what was right. If Cain got angry and lost control of himself and killed his brother, that's avon, iniquity. But when God confronted Cain and he was disrespectful and lied and mouthed off to God, that was Pesha. Do you see how easy it is to start out with small sins and go all the way to hating and rebelling against God when we aren't careful? It's important to always stop sinning as soon as we can before we go too far and our hearts are too hardened to turn back, like Cain and like Pharaoh. And for the love of Pete, don't kill your brothers and sisters or steal cookies. Now, I love you. I'm praying for you, and I pray you have a wonderful week studying the scriptures with the people who love you.